the value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. It's been a big week for central banks around the world in various jurisdictions. The Reserve Bank of India has raised rates, the Australian Central Bank has raised rates, and of course the United States of America last night raised rates by 50 basis points or half a percent, which is the biggest rate increase for 22 years. What about the Bank of England? With me now is Russell Silverstone, investment strategist at 91 in London. What a week, Russell. The price of money has gone up everywhere. Yeah, no, hello there, Lindsay. Absolutely. Quite frankly, I think central banks are are beginning to panic about inflation. And so, you know, everywhere we look, policy is being tightened quite noticeably just, just to try and sort of offset the worst pressure. And what happened with the Bank of England today? Yeah, no, sure. So the Bank of England raised uh, interest rates by 0.25%, widely expected. Um, they're now 1%. Yeah. Um, doesn't sound like much, but the post-global financial crisis high in the UK was 075 So we're sort of slightly in uncharted territory. And they've issued an extraordinary sort of set of forecasts as well. They see inflation uh, possibly hitting double digits this year, um, so 10%. Wow. Um, and the economy is sort of uh, flirting with, with recession. So it's a worrying trade-off, and I, I think that's the issue most, most central banks face. Growth is slowing, and inflation is very high, and, and the only response is you have to get monetary policy back to a more neutral setting, and that's really the theme I think we see across policymakers globally. I'm going to whisper this word now, because I don't want to scare people. Stagflation. Yeah, well, I mean, the governor was asked exactly that by another journalist on the press conference today. And he was sort of, you know, well, I don't like that word, um, <laughs> which I thought was a bit, <laughs> a bit mealy mouthed. Yeah, I mean, optically, yes, we've got very high inflation and growth is stagnating. But I think that's obviously come from the 1970s. You know, inflation is sort of reaching those sort of levels, but we don't think it persists at those levels for sure. And actually, there's an awful lot of accumulated savings. And we, you know, we, we don't we don't see recession. None of the normal indicators are flashing sort of recession. Certainly growth is, is slowing, but it's slowing from very, very strong levels. So yeah, I hear you, but we don't think that's the central scenario. No, it's not the stagflation that you would have had from the 70s when oil prices were going mad. And there was a three day week in the UK and all sorts of other factors conglomerated. But if you're talking about, or rather if the Bank of England is talking about 10%, 10% inflation at the CPI level, and also the economy is slowing down, that is sort of mini stagflation, isn't it? I don't want to harp on this too much, but it seems to me as though that you may not like the word, but the word is a reality. Yeah, gosh, I'm not denying it at all. You know, the trade-offs we all face are terrible because, you know, the bank are trying to call for, for wage constraints. And, and, and unless people are getting inflation busting pay rises, which actually fewer get in, then actually our sort of disposable income is, is falling. And, and the natural reaction to falling disposable income is twofold. You either run down savings, if you have any, of course, or you spend less. Hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's a natural reaction that, that high inflation does tend to sort of slow growth. And that's absolutely what we're seeing. I, th- I think that, you know, the difference for me is that, you know, this really is an exceptional period. If you think what we've been through, that, you know, literally shutting the global economy and opening it back up again, demand came on immediately and supply just can catch up. And we've had all these sort of huge dislocations. And now, obviously, the terrible war in Ukraine, you know, they, they, there's an, an extraordinary set of circumstances. And, and ultimately, you know, that will wash through the system. In fact, the bank are now predicting inflation will be just one 1.3% in 2025. So, you know, it, it, it will it will unwind unless we see these sort of second round effects. And I think that's the thing we're really looking for, you know, unless people have more spending power and therefore can afford to pay the higher prices, 
you know, inflation cannot be sustained at this level without much slower growth. No, so demand will be choked off, in other words, and then therefore the normalisation process will occur as it always does, because inflation, like interest rates, like commodities, like every other financial market, are all cyclical, Russell. Let's have a look back now at what happened with the US Federal Reserve last night and the chair of that institution, that venerable institution. He gave a press conference and they raised rates by 50 basis points, which, as I said in my introduction, was the highest increment rise for 22 years. But many people thought it might be 75 basis points or three quarters of a percent. I say, uh, here's another corny phrase, that's merely a stay of execution and it's going to be phased in later. Yep. So uh, markets love a narrative, don't they? And part of my job is to literally read every speech the Federal Reserve makes. And one person mentioned 75 basis points in passing. And this one one person, James uh, Bollard at uh, the St. Louis Fed, um, is is, is a well-known, what should we say, loose cannon. (laughs) And no other member ever entertained 75 basis points increase. So, you know, I don't really know why the market was thinking it was possible, other than, you know, we love, we love a narrative. It was always going to be 50 basis points. That was absolutely our view. And so there's some, there was certainly some relief in markets when, you know, he didn't do that. But, you know, let, let's stand back and, and, and look at the big picture. They raised by 50 basis points, and he promised a third of 250 basis points in the next two meetings. So we're going to be 175 basis basis points higher in just four meetings and of course their balance sheets running down as well so you know there's some significant tightening going on in the US and they're going to carry on going until they get to this idea of sort of you know neutral eye policies neither a headwind or tailwind for the economy and then they're going to see how the land lies so so you know actually I think it was the market is well priced for it let's say that but you know the Fed are on a mission to undo any stimulus as quickly as they possibly can. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because if, in order to maintain this, this level of inflation, wages are going to have to keep on rising. The labour market's going to continue to be t- need to continue to be tight. The wheat price has got to go to thirteen, fourteen dollars a bushel. The oil price has got to keep on rising and go to one fifty to two hundred, just in order to maintain eight, seven, eight, nine, ten percent. And given everything that we've been talking about briefly, I don't know if that can happen. So it may ameliorate in the future. Inflation, that is. Yeah, totally agree. So, you know, for energy prices to have as a bigger impact on inflation this year, next year, you know, we've got to see increases that are the same again from an already much, much higher base. And, you know, well, who knows? But it seems highly, highly unlikely that's going to happen, in which case the the fabled base effects will see inflation come down. Mm. I think the question is, you know, how quickly does it come down? And what is the breadth of the inflation we see in the system? So I think the Federal Reserve in particular are worried because, you know, in in Europe and the UK, you know, most of the pressure on inflation is coming from energy prices. And that, you know, is is understandable. In the US, it has been broadening out. And I think the the big issue for the the Fed is, is, you know, does inflation come down? um, But how quickly does it come down? And how, you know, what is the breadth that we see? So, So they will literally be looking at the month on month change in inflation you know the monthly figure not the not the year on year figure we're all familiar with and they'll be they'll be seeing what the makeup of that is and and if they're still concerned that that makeup is not consistent with their two percent target they will carry on hiking rates beyond neutral to a restrictive level which could be you know it's got a three percent big figure for sure as investment strategist, one of the investment strategists at 91 in London, Russell, when you sat down this afternoon after the Bank of England meeting and the three other central banks meetings that we spoke of, 
Has anything changed? Did you say to yourself, okay, well, I need to sit down with the team now and we need to adjust somewhat? Yeah, I think the thing we've been thinking about over the last sort of month or so is in, in UK markets is, is one, the, the level of interest rates implied by markets and two, the, the currency. And I think our, our view has been that, you know, the Bank of England were, were fast out of the traps on rate hikes. And, you know, we see signs that the economy is slowing quite quickly. And yet the market, as of this morning, was still discounting very aggressive rate hikes. The signal from the Bank of England today, actually, is that the rate hikes discounted in the market are too much. There's too many rate hikes discounted. So one thing we've been looking at is certainly sterling, and the possibility that that, that begins to, to fall, particularly against against the euro, because in contrast, the language coming out of the eurozone is more hawkish. You know, they are the message coming from there is you know they need to crack on with rate rises too, and we're going to see those over over the summer. So you're so, saying, so you're, sorry, you're saying Christine Lagarde is the Fed have been accused of being behind the curve. Now Christine Lagarde is behind the Fed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, but they're in a very different place. You know, you mustn't forget just the scale of the stimulus that we saw in the US was just off the scale. And, and that's really part of the problem with inflation. Europe definitely had a lot of fiscal, but not to the same extent. So they're in a different place. But they're now realised, actually, that their mission to, to re-anchor inflation at 2% is done. You know, they've made up all of that shortfall. And then don't forget, you know, European inflation was very low. So they now need to normalise policy as well. That word again, normalisation, as quickly as they possibly can. And so, you know, the UK's down that path. The Eurozone is just starting. The Bank of England's message today was, you know, yeah, we need to do a little bit more, but perhaps not quite as much as markets are discounting, whereas the Eurozone, it's the other way around. The Eurozone are turning more, uh, the ECB rather, are turning more hawkish. So the thing I think we're looking at is, is sterling against the euro, mm. and the same would probably work in, 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 in bond space as well. So I think that's the, the takeaway from us. Um, you know, with the, there's a slow evolution of the message from the bank which which is you know these trade-offs are difficult yes we need to raise rates but actually you know there's a trade-off in that that will slow demand and and, and demand is slow in any way so you know perhaps the market is overegging just how many rate rises we need in in the uk great analysis russell thank you very much for your time that's russell silverstone investment strategist at 91 in london this podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider.